0: I'm Jeff Gibson,
1: and I'm Shanna Paxton,
0: and we are The the Movie Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome to the official podcast of The Gibson Review. In every episode, we kick it off with the week in review, what movies or TV shows we have been watching since the last episode. Move on to the main event, which is either a topic of discussion or a main review, Uh, That gets in-depth and eventually into spoilers. And then finish up with Film Faves. Our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. Often marching backwards through time. In this episode, the main event will be our review of Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. And in celebration of that mystery... We will be having our film faves focusing on our respective lists of our 12 favorite mystery movies. So, more on that later in the program, but first, let's kick it off with the week in review. Shanna, as I understand, you and I did not really watch much on our own, did we?
1: Yes, you're correct. Life's been busy. (laughs) It's, It's Thanksgiving week, so... Things have been crazy.
0: And even the week before that, we just have not really had opportunity to watch things on our own. But we did watch a few things together, especially this past weekend or two. Let's start with the new releases we caught up with, Frozen 2. This, of course, is the sequel to the smash hit in, what was that, 2013, 2014 by Disney? Shanna, did this sequel exceed the original?
1: I don't think so. I feel like the first one was its own thing, and then the second one, you know, is its own thing. I, I don't think it was necessarily better.
0: Was it as good? Sure. Really? Okay. Carry on. Why? What What'd you like about it?
1: They're really doing some interesting things with the elements: earth, fire, wind. Am I forgetting one? Earth, water. Water. Duh. Yeah, the obvious so, one. So yeah, <laughs> without Elsa, you know, Elsa wouldn't be Elsa without water. Anyway, the visuals were really great. Uh, the theme of your fears, what kills you, uh, was really good. Looking and acknowledging history, where we are today even though history isn't always that pretty, is really good. A good theme to have, especially, you know, made to be palpable for younger audience members. I love the theme of water having memory. That was really fun and Olaf made that fun. I was not fond of a couple things in the in the film. I was really not fond of the main song being sung at the end by panic at the disco oh
0: yeah what the fuck what was that song called again into the unknown
1: into the unknown
0: that's right
1: yeah i mean if you're having adina menzel sing it let her fucking sing it the whole way through like no. we do not need to have panic i know that's their tradition but you don't need to have not out of panic all things, at the disco out of all things panic at the disco singing an empowering female song
0: well that too so, i guess
1: um, the depiction of Sven was pretty good. I know I said I'm going to talk about what I didn't like, but, you know... Oh, not Sven. I'm sorry, Christoph.
0: Sven is always <laughs> awesome,
1: too. I guess, No. Uh, yeah. was pretty interesting. You know, we had a discussion about that. One thing that I had a problem with was how clean the princesses look. Uh, you've got Anna that goes to a setting that is much like Alki Beach. She is In not Seattle. going to be pristine white, you know, She's mm. going to be dirty. She's going to be grubby, and I thought that that was really unrealistic. If you're going to go for a darker theme, at least let them get, you know, really into the elements physically.
0: Mm. Well, I agree with you. the The pros, the benefits, the good things about the film was that it is absolutely beautiful. The visuals are great. The visuals are stunning, and there are two songs sung by Adina Menzel that are just, uh, just really, really good songs. I mean, you know, I don't know. Adina Menzel can sing. So those songs are standouts. And I was really struck by the subtle politics of the movie about there being this wall being built to oppress a minority of uh, people. I thought that was really interesting to see in a Disney film. And I think we saw another film that spoke to a similar issue, or a related issue. We'll talk about that later. But I was, it was uh, very striking to have that in this film. But this is definitely a case for me where the bad definitely outweighed the good, and I was not thrilled with this film. I didn't... Let me just say, like I also think Frozen is one of the most overrated movies of the decade. I think it's fine, it's good, sorry people, but it wasn't that great of a story, it was, it was a fine story. And so I think it's just that song, Let It Go, really helped overrate that film, you know, and get it as much play as it did. So I was hoping, and I had heard, that maybe this movie had a better story, but not as good music. And I have to say, the thing is, yeah, the music is not as good. I mean, we—I could barely even remember the name of the one showstopper that is a hit. There's too many songs. There's a lot of times where it doesn't feel like we really need a song right here in yeah. the story.
1: It certainly felt like this movie needed more quiet moments, mm. and it didn't. We didn't get that.
0: And most of the songs were just forgettable. I couldn't tell you the names of most of the songs. I thought there was some new characters that felt like they were just made to sell merchandise because they're super cute. They don't really necessarily do anything to affect the story. And in the sense that, like, if you took them out of the movie, the story would still be the same, pretty much. And so I saw through that. And Olaf really seemed like a mouthpiece for the obvious And safety tips. Every single thing, practically, that came out of his mouth, if it wasn't a safety tip of, oh, be careful, that might hurt you, it was, it was like an obvious point or an obvious, like, the, he was stating what the scene was, the point of the scene or something. I was
1: more okay with Olaf in this one than the previous one.
0: Mm, Okay. And then there's a subplot with Kristoff where he's fumbling to propose. And that's something that happens very quickly in the movie and it ends up being a recurring theme throughout the movie which i thought was really weak and very disappointing so for me the bad outweighed the good it did not outweigh the two songs that are great the beautiful visuals and the subtle politics so um or that didn't outweigh the bad and so i gave it a five out of ten how about you
1: yeah i'm probably gonna go with the same as you
0: really a five, even though you liked it more than me
1: well, I don't know if I liked it more than you. Oh. I just liked certain elements more than you.
0: Okay, fair enough. All right. I so. think
1: The Gecko is cute.
0: So, neither of us, you'll probably go see the movie if you haven't already, regardless, but neither of us recommend Frozen 2. The next film that we saw was A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is Marielle Heller's take on. Fred Rogers, starring Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers. Muriel Heller, if you're not sure, she's the director behind Diary of a Teenage Girl, which Shanna has talked about previous episodes. And Can You Ever Forgive Me, which we talked about last year, which starred Melissa McCarthy. Shanna, what did you think of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood?
1: You know, we weren't sure what we were going to get with this film. We weren't sure how Tom Hanks was going to be. And, you know, our understanding of it was that it was going to be this autobiographical of Fred Rogers. A biopic. I mean that, yeah. But it was, it wasn't. And it was this beautiful surprise of we're going to make, essentially we're going to channel Fred Rogers and we're going to make a film, much like a TV episode for adults, dealing with the responsibilities, emotional turmoils and challenges of what adult brings. And it was a really beautiful film, of course. And even though Tom Hanks doesn't look like Fred Rogers, he certainly, his energy of, the energy of Fred Rogers was certainly with him. And you know, you look at this film, And everyone can relate to the problems to some extent. You don't have to have the same problem as... What is that actor's name? Lloyd. Lloyd is the character. Oh, what
0: was his name? Is it Matthew Reese? is the actor?
1: The one from the Americans? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Everyone can relate to his story to some extent. Mm -hmm. And everyone... You know, pain is pretty universal... And we can all relate to that.
0: Yeah.
1: And therefore, if we see how another adult, Fred Rogers, is supportive and therefore an adult like Matthew is, we can all be a little bit more compassionate, can't we? I do. So I feel like it's a really good film looking at adult problems and how to be there for other adults
0: yeah i agree with a lot of what you're saying about the film i was expecting it to be a conventional biopic i thought that tom hanks was miscast ahead of time i thought jim parsons should have been cast as fred rogers but i also understand that this is actually taking place i think it's taking place in the 80s if i'm not mistaken or no the 90s sorry it's taking place in the 90s so it is late in rogers life so i guess the uh, casting someone older makes sense and of course you choose one of america's most likable actors and likable stars tom hanks so i get that so but i was very surprised by this film as well i was very surprised at how to the extent that hanks was able to successfully embody rogers and I was very surprised by the unique flourishes that Mario Heller brought to the film that made it different. You had, you had uh, basically invoked when we were talking about how at one point Rogers tried making a show for adults and how that show basically failed and how this movie is a successful version of that show for adults and we're we're brought into the world of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And it really is something that's magical and gentle and sweet. and it is something that is rare that we do not see in any media very often, not the extent that this film takes it. So, I was quite taken by a beautiful day in the neighborhood it is probably among my top 10 films of the year and so i probably would give this film an 8 out of 10 because i didn't see very many issues in the film
1: i would probably give it a 9 out of 10 i really love this film i really think that we need more films like this films that teach us something and this one, like I said, is like an adult episode, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think more more people need to go see it. It hasn't been exactly smashing box office records or anything. It's barely made the top three in its opening weekend, and it did not make the top three in, in this weekend uh, that we are recording. So go see it. It's a, it's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood by Mario Holler. The last film we'll talk about is Scorsese's The Irishman, which just released on Netflix, I think the day before Thanksgiving. We saw it a few nights after Thanksgiving. This is Scorsese's three-and-a-half-hour film uh where robert de niro stars as a guy who gets involved with the uh, teamsters and mob the mob connections it stars also joe pesci al pacino as jimmy hoffa Anna a paquin makes an appearance in it as well as several other people oh, ray romano plays the lawyer of uh of joe pesci who's actually his cousin, I blink. Anyway, so Shanna, what did you think about this much-anticipated crime epic of Scorsese's? Did it live up to expectations of it being one of the best films of the year for you?
1: I certainly wouldn't call it a crime epic. I, I think it's a story about how things went wrong for Jimmy Hoffa. I think it's... A story of it doesn't matter how big you think you are, you're going to age and you're going to need to take pills and you're going to need to, you know, retire and be in a retirement home and Uh. uh, adult home. You will experience everything humanity experiences. It doesn't matter (laughs) who you were and what you did in your earlier years. Okay. So I feel like it, it's more of that. Yes, crime is happening in between.
0: And it's we three and, see, and a half hours. We
1: see a lot of people get shot in the face. My God.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yep. Scorsese is good at that kind of uh, mob hit crime.
1: I'm a big mob movie fan. Really? Yeah. Uh, my my cousins and my brother and I, we, we used to make mob films. Mm. It used to be really, you know, cute. Okay. Uh, if you can call making your own mafia films cute this this was as cute as it got
0: you seem to be struggling with this film
1: i am struggling with this film because i feel like i feel like the mob theme and the crime theme it's it's just there in the background i really feel really? like what we're really looking at is a man who made mistakes unintentionally unintentionally And how it affects him on his last few days on this earth.
0: Hmm.
1: That's what I feel like we're looking at. You make mistakes with your family. You make mistakes with your friends.
0: There's consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I feel
1: like it's more like that is what we're really looking at. We're not really looking at, oh, it's our new favorite mob film.
0: Okay. So I'm still processing this movie because we saw it last night. And I needed to load up on the caffeine to power through it because it was long and it took us past midnight. I will say I have a few issues with it. I think that it's very unclear a lot of the times. It does hop around in time. And I think a lot of times it's very unclear where we are in the timeline. what, What year this is, how old these characters are supposed to be. You know, Joe Pesci calls Robert De Niro "kid" a lot, and they never look like they're in their 30s or anything. By the way, there's aging technology that's used to be able to de-age and older, make older, I guess, these characters. But they always looked middle-aged to me at the youngest. You know, so it was never things like that were never clear to me, and and the timeline was never fully clear to me throughout the movie there were some times uh, that i i I got where we were in the timeline of things but there was a lot of times where i didn't necessarily and that was a little fuzzy for me i was going into this thinking this might blow me away and make it uh, skyrocket to the top of my list for the year i don't think that's the case but i'm still processing it I don't know that it would even make my top 10 of the year, but I'm still processing it. I will say Joe Pesci is probably the standout. Al Pacino will probably get a lot of attention because he's the biggest uh, performance in the film. But I think Pesci maybe gives the better performance out of everyone in the film. And it's really great to see him in this film coming out of retirement. It's interesting to see him have a power, a different power dynamic with Robert De Niro than what we've seen before. There's a lot to appreciate about this film. I'm not entirely sure it needs its three and a half hour runtime. I'm not sure that everything we see is absolutely necessary. I think maybe it could have been tighter.
1: I agree with that. I feel like there's certain things that drag and I feel like there's not enough that symbolically... Uh, or through the cinematography shows where we are in time.
0: Yeah, so which is
1: why there's confusion.
0: I still think I don't. I don't think people should be dissuaded by the runtime and and just skip it all together. I do think it's worth seeing. I think it's it's one of the films that you should see, even if you have to split it into two separate nights. See the film. But uh, I don't. I just. You know, temper your expectations a little bit. I would give the film, at this time, as I'm still processing it, probably a 7 out of 10. You?
1: I don't know, man. I feel like it's more like a 6 out of 10. I think people should watch it, but you have to give as much energy of it as you would a foreign film. And I feel like it's not his best work. Okay. It's very simple.
0: Okay. I feel. Okay.
1: With a couple problems that make it complicated. Hmm. I feel like it needed more juge through the cinematography Mm. uh, to help move the story along.
0: All right. So it wasn't a very visually appealing uh, film for you. Fair enough?
1: No, it's not. Performances are really good, and that's why it's a 6, not a 4 out of 10. All
0: right. Very good. So that is The Irishman. Let us know what you think of that, as well as these other latest releases. And that'll do it for the weekend Review for us, and move us into the main event, which is our review of Knives Out. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot,
1: and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it, by the way?
0: The party? Pre-my dad's death? Oh, it was great.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I would
0: like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed.
1: What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I've gotta live! you think one of his fam... walls walls Killed, is that what you're suggesting?
0: You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh,
1: very nice. Matter of fact, oh god.
0: eat shit. Okay. How's that? Nice. Eat shit. that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely okay. eat shit. Definitely eat shit. Gonna dance, gonna fly. I'm taking shit. Oh, god wow. Something, spill it. I
1: suspect foul play. And I have eliminated no suspects.
0: <laughs> i a twisted to live, we are not finished untangling it, not yet. What is this? CSI KFC? Huh. Until I die. And that's from the trailer to Knives Out. Directed by Ryan Johnson, starring... Daniel Craig, Ana de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Chris Evans, who else? Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfeld, and Christopher Plummer. The IMDb description is, A detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. Very simple. So when we review a film, we like to first focus on the good, what worked for us, before moving on to the bad, because we like to focus on the positive, and sometimes that can be hard in some cases, and it can be easier to think of the negative. So we think of the negative uh, second. What didn't work for us? What sucked about a movie? What was the flaws of the film? And then we move on to spoilers and final thoughts. So, Shanna, Knives Out, first of all, why don't you ease into your thoughts on the film by sharing with us your familiarity with Ryan Johnson's work leading up to this? And then, what was good about Knives Out?
1: So, I'm a big fan of Ryan Johnson. I enjoyed Brick, I love, love, love Looper. I love Star Wars, Force Awakens, Brothers Bloom is just dandy. When we found out that he was doing a Who It movie, it was very exciting for us, wasn't it? Absolutely. So I'm a big fan of his, yay, and I'm a big fan of this movie.
0: Okay, what worked for you? Uh, what was good?
1: This movie is just so perfect with every move it makes. It all pays off in the end and if you're a fan of whodunits or a fan of the talents in this movie or a fan of ryan johnson then you're really going to love this film the performances were so spot on i i love the story it's kind of awkward at first to see chris evans lose his captain america but you know how you can lose your good boy association <laughs> is if you're a dick of a trust fund baby. So, it was a really good move for him, I thought. Okay, yeah. I feel that. Like it's just it's a really great film. Each character has its its own quirk. Daniel Craig is awesome. Him with a southern drawl is hilarious. And and takes me a second to register that it's him. By the way, is he British or is he yeah. Yeah, he is? He is yeah. Okay, so he must be having a lot of fucking fun with it then.
0: I saw him this morning in an interview. He said, first and foremost, he really worked at that accent. He would use it in everyday life. He would read boxes of cereal in that accent. <laughs> he focused <laughs> really hard on that accent before he even started with the script.
1: That's really good. Because apparently he, he plays both really, really well u.s or british mm. you
0: know yeah it's sort of in case you and you haven't heard it or didn't hear it in the trailer he has sort of what's called a foghorn leghorn kentucky fried sort of accent
1: yeah trust fund baby calls him kfc csi yeah which yeah. is really confusing for me at first and i'm like oh because of the the southern Anyway, whether the actors and actresses had small screen time, big screen time, everyone was amazing and sharp, and I just want to go watch this again, and I think that's what makes it a really successful whodunit or mystery film Mm. is you want to go see it again, and it's different when you watch it again because you know how it ends, of course. And so you want to see, you know, did I miss anything? Did Did I totally misinterpret that move Mm -hmm. uh you know it's just a really that's what really defines a great mystery film is if you want to go watch it again and again to see what you missed or how you can interpret it differently Uh, i loved the character that the actress that played marta to de Armas. Yeah, she's. It took me until now to realize she's from Blade Runner yes. 2049. I'm like, oh my she's fucking joy. god, she's Joy.
0: Yeah. So loved her in that.
1: I think she's great. I love the. I think it's really important to incorporate caregivers into your story mm. because they are there in everyday life okay. around us. Okay. Uh, whether they're nannies or nurses. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I love that she's incorporated into the story the way she is. I don't want to say a lot about it, but I think that there's this beautiful meshing of two worlds happening.
0: Okay. Very cool. So if I may, I would say that this film is a blast. I had a lot of fun with Knives Out. It is twisty. It has an outstanding cast who you can kind of tell is just having a lot of fun, kind of relishing the nastiness of their characters and the situation, and and bouncing off of Daniel Craig's character. Uh, yeah, it's a great cast. It's it's worth it just for that alone. I found the theme in a very interesting about. How this film is really about the one percenters and immigrants above all else, and how this movie about how immigrants are treated by the wealthy is wrapped around this uh, who done it concept. I thought that was really cool, and we can probably get into a little bit of that more in spoilers. So. I, I, I will say, I, I didn't preface this by saying I have a long history with Ryan Johnson. I've watched his films. I went back and watched Brick after seeing Brothers Bloom when it came out. Loved uh, and just enjoyed that. i a big fan of Looper like you. The Last Jedi was uh, outstanding. Really pushed the, the series forward in a new directions. You may see Ryan Johnson Johnson mentioned in the best of the 2010s directors post that is out now on the Gibson Review. Let's talk briefly about what didn't work for us about this film. Oh, also, uh, before we do, I just want to say I agree with you about Honor to IMS. I was an instant fan of her from Blade 20, Blade 20, Blade Runner 2049 as Joy. I just found her absolutely captivating and just um, couldn't take my eyes off of her. Was looking forward to seeing her in this and was uh, really, really afraid anytime anything might happen to her. Not going to spoil if anything does or not, but I thought she was outstanding and funny in this film as well. Let's talk about what didn't work for us. Shanna, what sort of flaws, what was the bad in Knives Out?
1: I'm sorry, did you have something that didn't work for you?
0: Are you saying you didn't have anything? It was a perfect film?
1: I can't recall anything right now. Yeah, no? What about you? And then maybe it'll jog something in me.
0: So here's the thing. Let me ask you this. You watch mysteries all the time. You watch murder mysteries all the time. You're a much bigger fan of... Those kinds of shows, the procedurals, everything than I am. And sometimes, like, you're really good at figuring them out. And if they, if you can't, then it's a big surprise. Did you figure this movie out?
1: I certainly knew who didn't do it. Okay. I knew that for sure. Uh
0: huh. No, it doesn't look like and
1: it. And I had, what? You, just shush Uh. (laughs) and i had an inkling of who did it but i was also i also took myself out of that that oh my god can i figure out who did it can i figure out who did it i took the pressure off of myself to enjoy it but in the first few minutes you know when you're setting it up when when they're setting up the film i'm like it's probably that character however this could go this direction So, and then that was when I was like, you know what? I just want to enjoy it. I know who didn't do it and I know who might have done it. Did
0: you find that you were right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was my thing. I was trying to figure it out the whole time. And I had a hunch about two characters and my hunches proved to be correct. And we can talk about that a little bit more in spoilers. So the question is, is this film predictable? Are you able to figure out the mystery too easily?
1: No. No, I think there's a lot of, like, could it be character A? Oh, this is how character A probably could have gotten away with it. Why they did it. Mm -hmm. He has character B. They also fulfill the criteria. He has character C. They also fulfill the criteria. There's probably only three characters, four characters, out of the whole cast that isn't capable of doing it.
0: Okay. Out of the
1: what there's like 10
0: it is a big cast yeah, yeah it is yeah so not very many you feel were not capable or not not prime suspects so okay fair enough i think that's is uh that's 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 fair enough we could talk a little bit more about this in spoilers do you have any uh thoughts that you want to share with those who haven't seen the film before we get dig into the nitty-gritty
1: I think it's totally worth watching. I mean, my mom was telling me, oh, I don't know what to go watch at the cinema. And I asked, well, when is this film coming?
0: Because she's in South Africa. Yeah,
1: so different schedule. And I said to her, you won't be disappointed if you go watch this. Uh, The only weird experience we had was we got to see it a weekend before it was released.
0: Yeah, they did a sneak preview. That was pretty Mm -hmm. fucking
1: cool. Yeah. But the weird part was you could have a selfie with the
0: screen oh yeah
1: and that was just that lasted so odd.
0: way too long it was like it, a full three minutes of a still picture
1: it was so odd and it's like you know what i love selfies just as much as the next one and maybe they're trying to cut down on cardboard printing costs <laughs> you know
0: i guess I don't um, know.
1: which is fine but like i don't need to have a selfie with the cost unless you're actually giving me an opportunity to win that in real life you know
0: I, I hear what you're saying. I would say, yes, it works much better as a cardboard cutout. Uh, but I wouldn't have had an issue with it if it only lasted for 30 seconds to a minute. This thing lasted way too long. It was the length of an actual trailer. And it, wasn't, and it was awkward. Um,
1: it, it didn't have clear instructions.
0: Yeah. Or an
1: introduction to yeah, it.
0: Yeah, you had to look. Yeah. What you
1: should actually do is... like have a screen countdown get ready to take a selfie next slide we're gonna show you the cast next slide are your phones ready and then show an entire screen of the cast i would say
0: that's too much but you could have a little countdown on the on the bottom corner or something Hmm. at any rate back to the movie i would say this is a blast this is one of the most fun films you will have come across in recent weeks, if you haven't seen it, go see it. If you love mysteries, you absolutely have to see it. Uh, it's, it's by someone who loves these kinds of films and is playing within that structure. So, go see Knives Out. I give the film an eight out of ten.
1: Oh, I give it a nine out of ten.
0: Woohoo! All right, so with that, if you haven't seen the film, skip ahead. Uh, in film faves, look at the timestamp in the show notes. Because we're going to dig in deep the spoilers for Knives Out, starting now. Okay, so really the big thing, there's probably a couple things we could talk about, but the big thing I want to say right out front, again, if you haven't seen the movie, you better be not here, (laughs) skip ahead, I'm about to spoil who did it.
1: It's worth the surprise. Yeah. So move along.
0: So first of all... We learn... Okay, so... Okay, let me just talk about my hunches. My hunch was either there's more to Marta than we are seeing and she's acting innocent or she truly is, like, a witness or, or like, she truly is, like, the, the most reliable person to interview. Okay? My other hunch was Chris Evans did it because there is a much to do about him not being around for the first third of the film and not having made the funeral or whatever. So my hunch was, Oh, maybe. And every time that he was hanging out with Marta played by Ana de Armas, something felt like she wasn't exactly safe with him. I just had this feeling uh, with him even though they're trying to play it off like they're working together, that sort of thing, I just had this feeling that some I don't know. I, I don't know if I could trust him. I really kind of think that maybe he somehow, I don't know how or what he did, because we learn that the dude wasn't actually murdered. Right? Yes. Christopher Plummer Technically,
1: Flemer, he was not murdered.
0: He was not actually murdered. So... Can you explain the, um, Can of walk through, what is Chris Evans guilty of?
1: Chris Evans is guilty of knowing his grandfather way too well, knowing that his gr- grandfather plays a game hard. And so what Chris Evans did was he swapped labels on the medications of morphine and then something else. Mm-hmm. And if you give too much morphine, you know, you can overdose on morphine, so you're going to die. Yeah. But Marta was such a good nurse that she could tell which bottle was which by not even looking at the name of the bottle. Yeah. And so technically Marta, but Marta panicked. And Marta technically didn't kill.
0: Even accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. B- well, gran- she thought she totally thought she did, and she was um, hanging on to the secret.
1: But she realizes there's there's no like if you're gonna overdose on morphine, there's supposed to be an antidote, an, an anti an antidote of some kind.
0: Right, it's supposed to be in the bag,
1: and uh, it wasn't in the bag, and so both of them are, you know, she's panicking, and he says, "No, I will take my own life." Essentially, he
0: being Christopher Plummer,
1: yeah, and you know he ends up slitting his throat. Uh, and he tells her before he does that, he tells her what she needs to do because she has this, this really interesting thing where she cannot lie. She will puke. And
0: yes, but more importantly, what is he trying to protect?
1: He's trying to protect her,
0: her family,
1: her and her family. It turns out her mother is illegally in the country,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though she herself is in the country legally.
0: Mm hmm. And what would happen to Marta and her family if there was some conception that, some perspective that she murdered Christopher Plummer?
1: What probably would happen is the rest of the family would be deported because mm-hmm. she has a sister there too. Um, however, I'm not sure if Marta is, had become a citizen or is just a permanent resident. Uh, as far as I know, if you're a permanent resident, depending on the case, you'll either get tried in America or you'll just get deported and tried in your home country.
0: Regardless, he was trying to protect her family and protect her from any of, uh, of being suspected of having killed him. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the point. And so he come up, comes up with this plan. He doesn't tell her that he's going to slit his throat. He, he doesn't tell her that at all. They just think that he's about to die. And so he comes up with this plan where she sneaks out and then sneaks back in. Or well, she doesn't sneak out. She uh, loudly announces her departure. And then she sneaks back in, pretends to be him, and then sneaks back out. Right? Yeah. It's it's a very twisty, convoluted plan, but it was sort of airtight in a way to relieve her of suspicion. The problem is during, while in, well, in the process of enacting this plan, she accidentally catches him as he's about to take his life. So she sees she sees that, and there's a, a splatter of blood on her shoe. Mm-hmm. When that happens. So, yes, Chris Evans, he, uh, to circle back, he took the antidote from the bag. He snuck in, took the antidote switched from the, the bottles, bag, switched the, the bottles,
1: the antidote, and then snuck back into the house. All the sneaky sneaking. Yeah. And he got back into the house, took the, you know, relabeled the bottles, or whatever he did to the bottles. No, he took the medical bag. I'm sorry. Yes. My mistake. He took the whole medical bag.
0: That might have been actually after the investigation, after, right? Oh uh, at the funeral. Yeah, during the, when the funeral yeah, was had, happening. But he did sneak back later he did in sneak the night. Back to deal with for some labels. reason, yeah, yeah. Because the dogs barked. Yeah. At him. And the old lady, the grandmother, saw him climbing the trellis. Yeah. To get back in, right? So uh, and mistook Marta for him when she came back. At any rate, hopefully everybody's tracking and following along with this because it, it, you know, it can be confusing to explain. My bringing this up is to to illustrate that I had a feeling that somehow he he had something to do with this, and with her, it could either she was the one who actually did it, or she was the most innocent and the one that witnessed, or something like that. So I was kind of right about about all of that. Shanna, did you suspect also, was this what you suspected more or less that either she did it or he did it?
1: I knew that she didn't do it. Okay. Um,
0: What made you so sure?
1: Because if you're in a position of caregiver, you can make a decent amount of money as a private caregiver. You're not going to go ahead and fuck it up for yourself. You're just, it's not believable. You're not going to mess it up. You're not there just to fucking kill someone and, work your way into the will,
0: blah, okay. blah, blah.
1: What's going to happen is... So uh, you didn't
0: believe that she, at any point, was no. manipulating so she could no, if win his anything,
1: favor. If anything, I thought maybe she, she witnessed something mm-hmm. because ugh, that's what caregivers get, right, with the job. They're, like, so right. close to the family, but they're not family. Yeah,
0: and one ca- other caregiver did witness something. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, everything gets figured out and all plays out. And it's it's a lot of fun how it all unravels. Mm-hmm. Here's what I really liked mm-hmm. that's um, spoilery. I really liked how Chris's character was, was so arrogant and so prideful, but also ignorant. Mm. Because here he is mixing the bottles, taking the antidote. And then putting the – I think he put the antidote back and did something else and then took the whole bag. And then he's like, I know what I'm going to do now that I've made Marta think she's killed my grandfather. I'm going to hire a detective to figure that out Ah, because, remember, they said it was a suicide. So –
0: Right. And someone hired – I can't remember his name, but Daniel Craig's character – But it was a secret to even Daniel Craig's character who hired him.
1: Yeah, and as it turns out, it was was Chris's character that hired him. Mm -hmm. And that incredible pride, arrogance, and ignorance was what I really liked about Chris's character and how it was his downfall. Mm. And each character had a personality trait of some kind. Sure. You know, I love Jamie Lee Curtis's You just need to know how to play Dad's game. And when you figure out how to play dad's game in your own way, then it's going to be awesome. Like mm, okay. I think she really did love him. She's not as independent as she thinks she is, but certainly a lot more than the other siblings. I just, I loved each character's trait.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it
1: reminded me of the murder on the Orient Express.
0: Ah, yes. Very good. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Yet, at the same time, each of these characters turn on a dime on Marta, right? Once their livelihood and everything they feel entitled to having is threatened.
1: Well, yeah, because it's...
0: They turn on a dime and they say the nastiest things you can imagine and some of the buzzwords that you would find in any discussion about immigrants, right? Yeah. And how great is it that one of those last shots... Where she's up above in the balcony and they are looking up at her that's down so on cool. the drive. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's this perfect shop, shot that's it's basically communicating someday the haves, the one percenters, the wealthy, those who look down on the immigrants, they will be depending on them. They will be looking up to them because the immigrants are the future.
1: Well, and if you really think about it, I mean, if you look at any TV show, any movie, if you look at life that's happening in America, a lot of the caregivers are foreigners because they're the ones that don't mind caring for others, Mm. you know? Mm. Yes, they're being paid to do it, but they're doing it nonetheless. So why would you say you're like family and then not treat them like family, you know? so i just find that whole theme very interesting you're you're kind of like the characters are allowing it to happen by being the assholes they are don't be an asshole and you'll be fine
0: (laughs) and with that do you have any other last thoughts on knives out no all right we are obviously great fans of knives out But what did you think of Knives Out? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Now it's time for Film Faves. Our respective lists of 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. This time, mysteries. So, first, let me explain.
1: You you sound very mysterious.
0: Oh, very nice. (laughs) I thought maybe I sound like a game show host. Yeah, you do. (laughs) So, for those who aren't familiar, Film Faves is a segment on the podcast that is derived from a feature that used to be on the blog, the Gibson Review, wherein we count down our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic, usually marching backwards through time, but that is on hiatus until next year. This episode, we are counting down mysteries, our favorite mysteries. What we like to do, though, is not only is uh, because this is... Partially intended to give you an idea of what tastes we have in film, what, what, what we like, and that sort of thing. Uh, but also, we like to hopefully highlight things that you haven't heard of or seen before. So um, to that end, what we'll do is we will point out when a film is available on one of the major streaming subscriptions. Netflix, HBO Now, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Shanna, do you think we should add Disney Plus?
1: I think it's time we did.
0: All right. I'm sure it'll be the rare movie that comes up on a list that is on Disney Plus, but maybe something on this list will. So, mysteries. So, I was surprised at how difficult it was to to narrow down what is considered a mystery. So here's here's the defining parameters for me of what I think mysteries are and what we should be going by. Mysteries are wherein a crime, usually a violent crime like murder, takes place and either the audience or a character doesn't know who is responsible. And Trying to figure it out, okay? Simple, makes sense. Still, all of our picks are around and within those parameters. Shannon, did you have any comments or what have you about this particular list? Was it a challenge for you to come? You're the mystery lover <laughs> between the two of us.
1: It was a bit of a challenge. It was a bit of a challenge only because. You know, a lot of my mystery fix comes from TV shows. Okay. And so, you know, remembering, oh, this is a movie, this is a TV show. Oh, I love this, I love that. Oh, but remember, it's a TV show. There mm-hmm. was a lot of that.
0: Yes, and we only focus on theatrically released films for these lists. So it can be a challenge. No Murder She Wrote, no Columbo, <laughs> none of that sort of stuff. You
1: no, know, I've never watched Columbo. <laughs>
0: Whew, you should check it out. I think you would like it. Especially if you like Murder She Wrote. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to kick us off with uh, your number 12 favorite mystery?
1: Well, my number 12 is one of my favorite films. It's a film that I try to watch every Christmas. It is Who Framed Roger Rabbit?
0: Oh, it's your number 12? That's very surprising. only
1: because it's like a cartoon, and I figured, you know, out of all the... I think... Let me just look at my list a second. Yeah, my list kind of gets more violent as we go along i think okay
0: and yeah. there's fun all right
1: there's like one fun one in the middle all
0: right
1: but this is like the funnest mystery this is the mystery you can give your kids uh here's why it's a mystery roger rabbit is being accused of murder and he his only hope is to go after the detective who used to work with cartoon characters with his brother but since his brother's death via a cartoon character he no longer loves he doesn't work for cartoon characters anymore
0: and he's an alcoholic
1: and he's an alcoholic he has issues yeah (laughs) but you know eddie detective eddie is roger rabbit's only hope and so he teams up they team up together to try and figure out what's actually happening and there's a lot of talents in this film i love this film so much It is available on our lovely new streaming service, Disney Plus.
0: Very good. All right, so my 12th favorite is one that we talked about when we did our 1981 list, I believe. And I checked with you to see if it was going to be on your list, and apparently it was not. So I made sure I added it so we could talk about it again. It is Blowout on Amazon Prime. This is the John Travolta Mystery Thriller, where he is a sound guy. And he's out recording some sounds for a movie project he's working on. And he accidentally records a murder. And... Everybody's trying to sweep it under the rug because it does involve a politician, and he's like, no, man, I heard XYZ, and he's trying to get down to the bottom of it, and it's actually a really good thriller. It gets a little off the rails at the very end, unfortunately. But I was a big fan of it, very impressed with it by Brian De Palma, who's not a director I'm a big fan of, short of his uh, Mission Impossible and, and one other movie he did, The Untouchables. But, uh, but yeah, this is a really awesome thriller, and I highly recommend It, it is on Amazon Prime still, so check it out.
1: My number 11 is Murder on the Orient Express from 1974. This is the real, one. It's, the available real on, one. it's available on Prime. Without this film, there would be no other whodunits, I feel.
0: Yeah, well, certainly the book that, that it's based on. Yeah, absolutely.
1: A murder occurs on a train. While the world's finest detective is on board, Hercule Poirot. And it will be solved. This is the whodunit film. If you haven't seen it before, you need to go watch it. This is, I'm pretty sure, what inspired Knives Out with characters having their quirks.
0: And a huge cast, too.
1: It's a huge cast. It's its a lot of fun. its It'll keep you guessing about who did it.
0: And you saw the newer version of Murder on the Orient Express, and you you uh, say this one's better
1: i do say this one's better although there are talents that i admire in the new one the original is better
0: all right cool so go see that where they where can they find it again
1: as i said on prime
0: very cool my number 11 is in the heat of the night from 1967 it is all available on amazon prime it stars, of course, Roy, Roy, no, Roy Steiger. I almost said Roy Schneider, the guy from Jaws. Roy Steiger and Cindy Poitier. Cindy Poitier is a cop from a big city up north. He's in the, He's uh, sent down to the south to investigate a murder. And of course, you know Rod Steiger. Uh, Rod Steiger not Roy Steiger he plays the country police chief who's not so big on African Americans let's say as is the greater community and so it really was a fantastic film about race relations you have these two people not just from different environments but, uh, you know, different races at the height of the civil rights movement working together to solve a crime together. And it still works very well and is very entertaining and a very cool mystery. That I highly recommend checking out if you haven't. It did actually inspire, I think it's been forgotten now over time, it inspired a long-running TV series, too, called In the Heat of the Night. Oh, really? Yes, starred uh, Carol O'Connor, as a matter of fact, as the police chief. So, anyway, check out the original film. It is on Amazon Prime.
1: I love that film. My number 10 is something that we watched recently, Memories of Murder. From 2003. It's a Korean film. Bon Joon-ho. Yeah, that's right. And this is happening in a small Korean province. It's actually based on some murders that happened uh, between, I think, 84 and 91, somewhere around there. Okay. And three detectives in the film are trying to figure out who did this. Who is raping these women and just doing awful things to them? And they have a hard time trying to find out who did it. This film, I love this film because, of course, we don't know who's doing these things. There's no clues. Mm-hmm. You know, we aren't we aren't trapped with the whole cast. Right. You know, what you're left with is how detectives and police officers are struggling with not being able to catch someone, not being able to stop these things from happening. These detectives come into contact with the woman. They know these women. They've seen them, uh, the women that are the victims. They've seen them. They've interacted with them somehow. And so it's very hard for them, and it really gets them to this point of madness, and they have to try and backtrack the that madness because it's not going to help in the end.
0: Yeah, also it has some interesting cultural stuff in there including uh police abuse too right
1: yeah so kind of beating a confession out of them yeah i mean there's there's one detective that's known for kicking (laughs) it's like my god comes out of fucking nowhere and just annihilates the person (laughs) and it's just so there's these really bizarre moments of like hilarity but it's also like this awful thing that's happening. Yeah. So I I have found that I love about three Korean films to four, so my ratio is pretty high. Three out high. of four, you mean? Yeah, three okay. out of four I love. So I'm I'm really into Korean films.
0: Very cool. That I, that was an awesome, solid film. I'm glad you included it. My next favorite mystery is Clue from 1985. Shouldn't be too big a surprise if you listen to our 1985 episode. I do believe it made it onto that list of our favorite films from that year. This film is a blast. If you love Murder on the Orient Express, if you love Knives Out, it is also one of those movies with a huge cast. It is the only, only film based on a board game worth seeing. And it's led by Tim Curry with... A cast that also includes like Martin Mole, Eileen Brennan, Leslie Ann Warren, so many great people. Christopher Lloyd is in it, pre like around the time of Back to the Future, in a very different role. It's very cool, a lot of fun, has multiple endings. One of the only movies I've witnessed that has multiple endings, very true to the board game. I highly recommend Clue if you can find it. Some of these movies, a lot of times, they're only available to rent on Amazon, so maybe you'll find it there. But it is uh, quite an enjoyable little romp. That is Clue.
1: My number nine is not available to stream, but you can rent it just about anywhere. It's Wind River.
0: Oh, I'm so glad that made your list. I just nah, recently showed you that.
1: This was this was a hard one to sit through, and I needed processing time afterwards. Really? So this is, you know, this is a very interesting film. It's one of the only films out there that I'm aware of that's actually bringing attention to the lack of attention being given to Native American women missing. Mm-hmm. In this film, we have Jeremy Renner, who is a hunter, and he's just, what?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, he's for like the Fish and Wildlife Department, right?
1: Yeah, so it's like, okay, we're, where is this taking place? It's taking place in Wyoming.
0: Yes. I always want to say it's Alaska because it's so damn snowy and cold. Well, I want to say
1: Colorado because there's mountains. So, like, okay, between the two of us, we suck. (laughs) So, anyway, it's happened in Wyoming. He's just doing a routine, essentially a routine hunt. He has to go after some mountain lions because it's affecting the livestock. But what actually ends up happening is he comes across a Native American woman in the snow. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have to call in the FBI. Uh, they, they're they hoping for some help. Jeremy Renner goes to the tribal police of the area. He checks in with them. They call in the FBI. It turns out the agent that has to come and evaluate whether the rest of the FBI has to come, whether or not they have to send a team out, is, uh, is Olsen? Elizabeth Olson. Elizabeth Olson. Elizabeth Olsen. She is not prepared at all. She just happened to be the closest one and she gets it's kind of like a silence of the lambs moment where she gets judged up and down and you know is not seen for what she's capable of and bigger picture this movie deals with the loss of a daughter Mm. and what that is like for not only the parent but also the community so i really love that it's it's dealing with this issue of the lack of attention that's given to missing native american women and it's a good story it shows that the strong will always rise above it it shows justice in a new way i highly recommend this film.
0: that's great that is a solid film you got hawkeye and scarlet witch working <laughs> together in the
1: without in their the powers cold more or desert or less. <laughs>
0: uh no it, it's a great film and more people should be checking it out so uh that, i'm so glad it made your list My next favorite mystery, number nine, is Watchmen. The movie based on the classic graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. What is it that propels the entire story? Well, it is the murder of the comedian, one of the fellow superheroes. Not necessarily a nice guy, but we go through the entire film learning about the, the past of the comedian and his colleagues and trying to dig out the truth of who might be behind his death. And and, and, and is it a, just a piece of a bigger puzzle? So I know that this thing is extraordinarily sincere. And I know that it has one of the worst song cues ever put to modern film. But overall, Big Picture, this is one of the best adaptations of a graphic novel we have seen ever in the history of comic book movies so it's a great film you know i I recommend the director's cut over the theatrical version if you can find it the ultimate cut that includes all the things from the graphic novel is a little too uh, clunky uh, way too long but uh, i definitely recommend the director's cut of a solid very violent dark, awesome uh, comic book movie and mystery. So that's Watchmen, my ninth favorite mystery.
1: I'm so glad that you have that on your list. My number eight is L.A. Confidential. I love this film because of all of its talents. We've got Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce. We've got Kim Basinger. We've got Danny DeVito, who is super weird in this film, but then again, you know, when isn't he? Uh, we've got... Who David
0: there, and one of your favorites.
1: Yeah, we've got Ron Rifkin. I love Ron Rifkin so much. I also love this guy, Paul... How do I say that?
0: Oh, Gloufoyle? Apologies. Yeah.
1: He's in um, the first CSI show that they made.
0: Oh, yeah. He's a good yeah. character actor. Yeah. So, uh, huge, huge, huge cast.
1: Oh, ooh, and that guy. Anyway, I'm perving over the, the cast list here on IMDb. Uh, the story is about, you know, corruption in the 1950s of Los Angeles. Uh, three policemen are being represented here, one straight-laced, one brutal, one sleazy. They investigate a series of murders with their own brand of justice. It's very inter- it's, a, it's quite a long movie. It's 138 minutes, but it's very interesting it's a very glamorous look at crime in Hollywood. So uh, go ahead and check that out.
0: And uh, there's a big mystery of Rolo Tomasi. Who is Rolo Tomasi? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great pick. That's a great film. You might hear a little bit more about that shortly. My number eight is a film you've already included. It's Murder on the Orient Express from 1974. I have always been a big fan of this film that you can find on Amazon Prime. I've always loved the cast that includes Sean Connery. And is this the one that has Albert uh, Finney as Poirot? I
1: think that's about right. Yeah, he's great
0: in this film. And I'm spacing off the top of my head the rest of the cast, but it, it is one of those movies where the cast makes the film absolutely worthwhile alone. The... The secret to the mystery is one of the greatest of all time in its genre. It's Agatha Christie. It's my favorite Agatha Christie film of the ones I have seen. Although, and then there are none almost made my list too. But this one is the crown jewel. I love it and I really am skeptical of any remake of of this story as uh, apparently according to shanna i was right to be yeah martin balsam's in it ingrid bergman a very old ingrid bergman uh lauren bacall yep it's a great cast uh john Gielgud. anyway i'll 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 stop reciting the cast (laughs) list to you and so you can get to see murder on the orient express for 1974 on amazon prime
1: okay my number seven is my other fun film There's not a lot of fun mystery films out there, but this is one of them. It's The Nice Guys.
0: Oh, very good.
1: I love this movie for its fantastic Hollywood glam cinematography. This is happening in 1970s Los Angeles. It's a pair of private eyes who come together to solve a mystery that's happening.
0: Uh, The the... death of
1: a porn star. There you go. This film starts with a bang. This... this... (laughs) I always forget which movie this is attached to and when we watch Nice Guys again and again I'm like oh yeah it's this one and let me tell you this film starts with a bang, a car crashes into a house, the the porn star is in the car, you know what looks like an overdose is not really an overdose, there's an underbelly of sorts happening that involves a particular industry. And it's not just the porn industry, and it's just it's super fascinating, a super great story. If you ever want to hear Ryan Gosling squeal, really high pitched, this is the movie for you. It also has uh, Russell Crowe, so Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling are the team.
0: Very cool. All right, my number seven favorite mystery is probably the most unconventional pick. On this list, on this episode, it is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which is available on Hulu right now. It's my one Hulu pick. So, you might not think, when you think of Star Trek, you might not think mysteries. Well, this has always been one of my favorite mysteries, because what do we have? We have a tenuous peace between Klingons and the Federation that is completely put at risk when the Chancellor of the Cleanon, Klingon, the Klingon Chancellor, is murdered. And it seems to be at the fault of the Federation. And, oh, Captain Kirk and his big mouth, he happened to have said and was recorded some very nasty things about Klingons.
1: Hey, this sounds familiar.
0: So, he and Dr. Bones, I think it's just the two of them, they get tried and imprisoned, and the rest of the Starship Enterprise scramble to figure out what is really going on with this mystery. So, I, I always really enjoy it. I think it's still one of the best of the original cast movies. Uh, I've, it's always been one of my favorites. It's it's It is actually a pretty good pace it's got a lot of different types of alien species and characters it's a lot of fun in that respect uh it's uh it's kind of a blast it's uh, one of the more rompier star trek movies if you will and i love it and star trek 6 the undiscovered country on hulu
1: my number six is and how could it not be zodiac from 2007 i was not aware of this until you showed it to me Really? I'm surprised. And it is available to stream on Netflix. It's been available for a really long time, so I don't know how much longer it's going to be on there. That usually happens, you know? Yeah. So anyway, this is starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Mark Ruffalo. Robert Downey Jr. is in there. Brian Cox is in there. Oh, who is this person? John...
0: Oh, yeah, Carol. John Carroll. He's, he's yeah. I think, in Fargo. He's a great character actor. Oh,
1: I really like him. Yeah. Yeah, he's the husband in Fargo. Yep. Mm-hmm. What a great man. Yeah. All right, then. <laughs> More about Zodiac. So in the late 60s, early 70s, a San Francisco cartoonist becomes an amateur detective obsessed with tracking down the Zodiac killer an unidentified individual who terrorizes Northern Northern California with a killing spree. You know, this is, again, one of those that are based on true events and is just as awful and terrible as Jack the Ripper. We don't know who did it. But it's one of those that can show you the process and the frustration of trying to find the person.
0: You know, that is a very tough movie for me to get through. But, you know, listening to you talk about it, if I didn't have so many movies right now to watch, I would be actually tempted to rewatch that right now.
1: I am very tempted to watch this again. This is one that, you know, changes and gets better as I watch it again and again. Because mm. I understand it more and more.
0: Okay, very cool. Awesome. I had a feeling that might show up on your list, and I'm really glad it did. So we're at the halfway point finally, and my number six is is a film I did not expect to be so low on your list as uh, certainly I expected it to be higher than on is my it Roger list Rabbit? It is Who Framed Roger Rabbit ah! on Disney Plus a film I always loved as a kid a film that when it came out in 1988 I could not wait to see when it came out on video because we didn't go to the theater to see it and it it's uh it's Remarkable, of course, for technical reasons, but it's also a really good mystery. It's really kind of one of those fun films where it's like you know, you're watching what characters you can identify in the background or in the foreground because it does mix Disney characters, Looney Tunes characters, and everything in between that had been made up in that point. Not so much Hanna-Barbera characters, actually, now that I think about it, but uh, how cool would that have been? So, yeah, Bob Hoskins is great. This is one of his best performances, one of his best films. Christopher Lloyd is terrifying. The Weasels are awesome. I've always loved The Weasels. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there's so much to love. Jessica Rabbit is iconic, voiced by Kathleen Turner. Let's give her a shout-out, of course. So, yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you've already explained what the mystery is. It is an, an enjoyable lovely film uh does actually have some terrifying violence in it i will have you know there are at least two scenes in this film i won't go into detail but they were quite difficult to watch as a little one
1: yeah as a child i still get Mm -hmm. goosebumps about those scenes
0: absolutely but yeah uh if you haven't seen it check it out on disney plus who framed roger rabbit it is a must see shanna what is your fifth favorite mystery
1: My fifth favorite mystery is Gone Girl. And hang on, hang on, hang on. First of all, it's not available to stream. Second of all, let me tell you why it's on my list. Because we have Ben Affleck. First of all, we have Rosamund Pike missing. We don't know what's happened to her. It looks like she's been kidnapped. It looks like there was a struggle. And now we have Ben Affleck who becomes a suspect. And then we have Rosamund Pike being the suspect. So it's this really twisted and tied up mystery. We don't know what's going on for the longest part of the, like, I think the first 45 minutes of the film, we're only with Ben. And then we start getting more of the story later to try and figure out what on earth is going on here. And it's because of that craziness and the twists and turns and the dark side of Rosamund Pike, um, her character is why i like this film
0: all right i think you have successfully made a case for it very good my next favorite mystery is the nice guys which you already talked about i don't know why we don't own this movie already just like what we do in the shadows which we talked about in a previous episode i i don't even i can't believe that black friday sales haven't haven't uh, given us a you know a good deal on this movie yet but yeah i do love it i think it's a it's hilarious and a blast it's it's wonderful it is one of the best movies best comedies great odd couple between ryan gosling and and russell crowe i really i don't know if this is likely but i really wish we could see more of this duo yeah, together I thought they were gonna
1: have a sequel
0: i don't think that was ever actually announced but it it certainly seems like there's so many possibilities with it but yes it is a really good mystery too and uh, it's actually very smart too and surprises you i think a little with how smart it is because it's kind of like a magic trick you know you're focusing on this hand when this hand's doing uh, actually something over here and and uh it's pretty cool in that regard (laughs) so nice guys it's my fifth favorite mystery
1: my number 4 is Shutter Island starring Leonardo hmm. DiCaprio. By Scorsese. Yeah, by, by Scorsese. Now here, here is a film that has cinemagraphic symbolism and helps move the story along. Okay. Something's not right at this asylum. I don't think there's anything right at any asylum, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> but what a what could it be? Something doesn't make sense and why is the board of the asylum or Hospital, however you want to look at it, so dismissive of Leonardo DiCaprio investigating the story, investigating the reason he's there.
0: What is he investigating?
1: So the reason why it's a mystery is because Leonardo DiCaprio is trying to find a missing murderer. Okay. So He is supposed to be at the asylum. He's not at the asylum. Nobody seems to really know what he's talking about. The reason I love this film is because of Leonardo DiCaprio. I love the twists and turns, the graphics, or rather the visuals about this film. And it has just the right amount of jump scares.
0: All right. All right. Cool. My fourth favorite mystery is L.A. Confidential. For a lot of the reasons that you mentioned before, Shanna, as an outstanding cast, a really smart, twisty plot that involves the mystery of who's behind these deaths, and also what's going on with the corruption of the LAPD. And boy, and it made a star out of Guy Pierce too. It's a, it's it's a great film, one of the best films of the late '90s. Kim Kim Basinger had a brief comeback with this role. Unfortunately, it didn't necessarily stick. But she is outstanding and stunning in this film. Russell Crowe is like a kind of a blunter version of his character in The Nice Guys. It's
1: kind of nice when they play the same sort of um, career.
0: A little bit more of a meathead, you know. But he he is, of course, he starts this relationship with Kim B. Center. It's really great. So Danny DeVito is really awesome as this, this uh, not-so-squeaky-clean investigative journalist who writes a column called hush hush if i remember correctly yes Um, so anyway yeah la confidential is an outstanding film i love it it's beautifully written and it's a great film that that stands the test of time it's my fourth favorite mystery
1: all right, my number three is by the famous David Lynch. I think anything David Lynch makes is a mystery. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Figuratively, at least. It's
1: like, what are we talking about here, David? <laughs> you know. Anyway, in all seriousness, this is a film by David Lynch, Mulholland Drive. It is not available to stream, but it's available to rent just about anywhere. <sighs> this film follows a seemingly sweet, aspiring actress with good connections, helping another actress recovering from amnesia. It's crime noir take is to die for and always leaves me with more questions every time I watch this film. Every time I watch this film, I feel like I'm understanding something a little better, but then I have more questions. So bearing in mind what makes a good mystery film is is that element. It's maybe even too good a mystery film because i end up with more questions i've seen this film maybe three or four times and i always want to go back to it i feel like i'm always missing something
0: and there's an actual dead body too yes, right there's a
1: dead body they don't know who's who it is they're trying to figure it out they get a little spooked but at the same time they're trying to get their careers going mm, okay so it's very weird Yes, know? it is. David Lynch. <laughs>
0: it is very weird. That is for sure my third favorite mystery. I landed on The Thin Man from the 1930s with William Powell and Myrna Loy starring as a married couple who is so rich and so bored that they decide to try <laughs> to solve a mystery just for funsies. Oh my God. Just to liven up their evening.
1: I'd love to have that much money to be able to be like, so honey. I think tonight we'll do something different. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to solve a mystery. Right. We're going to figure out who Jack the Ripper is, or whatever it is. And you
0: know what? It, you would think with what, that setup I just gave you, it would be very hard to relate or enjoy these days. But the movie absolutely is a breeze. It's so fun. It's so witty. The banter between the two of them is, is just the best that classic Hollywood had to offer. William Powell is, I love William Powell. He's great. He's also in that uh, My Man Godfrey film I love too, you know? Oh, He's, yeah. He was a great actor and Myrna Loy is stellar. And of course they have a little dog too who also helps steal some scenes. Just a joy The Thin Man is. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you hunt it down. It is worth while is my third favorite mystery.
1: So that's a fun one. So we've got a couple fun ones between the two of us. It is,
0: absolutely.
1: All right. My number two is technically, technically it's one film. Technically it's part of a trilogy. Okay. It's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the real one from 2009.
0: Yeah, the Swedish one.
1: The Swedish one. The one with the subtitles. Get the one with the subtitles.
0: Yes. Numi Rapace (laughs) stars in it. Um, Michael Nickvist, who has since passed away. That was a, that was oh, a great he pick. did? Yes. Oh,
1: that's so unfortunate. All right. So, what is this about? Because maybe it's a little foreign, you know? Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. So, a journalist is aided by a young female hacker. <gasps> a female hacker who knows coding? What? Okay. In his search for the killer of a woman who has been dead for 40 years. This is a really intense trilogy. There are some really shocking moments. This is not a feel-good trilogy. Like, you really need to be mentally prepared. It's worth everything. It's worth your time. Uh, Go ahead and watch it. I, I love the action. I think she's one of my heroes. So go ahead and check
0: it out you know that is a very complex film the first one in mm-hmm. particular and i think that's where the mystery really is is in the first one mm-hmm. i think there's a mystery element to the second one but not so much to the third but the first one especially, yeah the third is
1: kind of wrapping it up
0: yeah uh that film i almost had it on my list it was, it's just so damn good and it is slightly better than the american remake by david fincher that one was just missing something yeah it has a lot of surprises it is very dark and she's a remarkable character so i'm a
1: really great actress
0: yeah i'm really glad that you highlighted this film it's so high on your list that's awesome my second favorite mystery is equally dark you could say the opposite of the thin man that's for sure it is david fincher's seven david fincher he's he's got a few good ones doesn't he so this is the film that starts Oh, stars, God, 7. Yeah, Brad oh Pitt, God. Morgan Freeman. They're after the guy responsible for a series of kills going on in, in this very dreary, dark and wet city that are all apparently revolving around the seven deadly sins. This is one of my favorite films of all time. What well, definitely probably my favorite David Fincher film. It's one of those movies that you could take it on a surface level just as a, a mystery, a dark mystery film. But I feel like the more you watch it, the more layers you unearth, the, the, the ways you find like how characters or metaphors for certain things or represent certain things, there's a lot of ideas in there. It does have a famous spoiler in it that I obviously won't reveal here <laughs> at the time. But when you
1: see it... When you hear it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember at the time, even the reveal of who starred as the person responsible was a big surprise and kind of cool, even though he was just kind of rising up at that time. Uh, Not someone you would see often today, but uh, it's it's a great film. It holds up. It's outstanding, outstanding stuff. And you need to have a strong stomach while you watch it, too, though. Uh, As I did, because I remember distinctly watching it over lunch um, (laughs) one day, too. Well, that
1: was stupid. I bet you felt foolish afterwards. No,
0: I (laughs) I actually had already seen the movie, and I loved it. So, anyway, seven is my second favorite mystery. Shanna, have we come to the end here, to your favorite mystery of all time?
1: We have, indeed. What is it? My number one. And the reason this is my number one is because it's just so beautifully done. And I feel like this is one of the most flawless films. I think it's one of the most perfect films dealing with loss and dealing with not being able to help. I think there's about three or four films on my list where detectives aren't able to figure it out. Okay. And this is one of the best ones that deal with that theme. What is it? <laughs> the Secret in Their Eyes. From really? 2009.
0: Is it the remake?
1: No, it's not the remake.
0: All right. No, it's not. So it's the original... But if you feel
1: like watching the remake, watch that first. Because if you were to do the original... Uh, of which country is this from
0: i was about to ask is it from argentina or brazil i can't remember
1: yes it's argentinian
0: very good so watch this one
1: watch this one because i tried watching the remake the remake yes and five minutes in into it i switched it off aha and i was so infuriated aha here's why here's what this film is about it's about a retired legal counselor who has decided to write a novel. He's hoping to find closure for one of his past unresolved homicide cases and for his unreciprocated love with his superior. He's being haunted by birth, and he's trying to find closure. He's writing about it and the unexpected happens you really should see this film if you're like me you've watched a lot of american tv shows that deal with mysteries you've watched a lot of american movies and now it's time to branch out it's time to see foreign films that deal with it because when you're exposed to different countries dealing with something as you know universal as this like loss and failure and reciprocated love you're going to get a different view of it aren't you Because you're going to see a different culture dealing with it. The talents are amazing. The writing is exceptional. The story is just so perfect. Uh, Please go watch this film.
0: That is awesome. I am very surprised by that pick. And you actually included three foreign films. uh, At least in your list. And that's, that's pretty cool. I cannot say the same for myself. So good on you, lovey. My favorite mystery is 1954's Rear Window by Alfred Hitchcock, starring Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. The luminous Grace Kelly, who is, uh, this might be her, her best performance, her best role, I don't know. Even though she's like the, the wife, she gets a lot to do in this film. So the mystery is uh, James Stewart, he's laid up, and I can't remember if he's a, a writer or a journalist or what, but he's, he's laid up. He's
1: a journalist photographer.
0: He's got a broken leg. So all he does is he spends his time in his apartment looking across the, the, whatever courtyard. you call it. Thank you. Courtyard to his neighbors to see what they're all doing. And he thinks he might have witnessed a murder. And so he's trying to figure out, did he? Is it a misunderstanding? And if so, what happened? So uh, it also stars Raymond Burr in a, one of the few non-Perry Mason roles. It's a, it's a joy. It's funny at times. It's,
1: the cinematography uh, is sharp.
0: Oh, it is really well shot. It is very cool. One of the best films. I tried exploring other mysteries by Hitchcock, which surprisingly does not any... No, not many that fall under the parameters of of a typical mystery and there's just not none of them connected with me like Rear Window which we've talked about before I think is our favorite Hitchcock film of all time too so
1: I will say that when I was making my list this is the one that started at the top of my list oh yeah and I forgot that it was at the top of my list <laughs>
0: So it just kind of fell through the cracks.
1: So it kind of just fell through the cracks. And you know what? This is one of my favorite, too. And I'm really glad that it's number one on yours because then I can feel like it's number one on mine, too. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. Like, Secret in Their Eyes is my number one foreign mystery film. And Rear Window is, like, my number one American film, mystery film.
0: Very cool. Yeah, Rear Window is a great one. But... Let us know, what are your favorite mystery films? Email us at com. Did you have a final thought about mysteries?
1: I think that it's really good that you put Rear Window as number one because it's got to be one of, next to Orient Express, it's got to be, and Clue, it's one of the top parodied. Oh, it's one of the top parodied mysteries. Gotcha. So between Clue, Orient Express, and Rear Window, like those are the top mysteries.
0: Very cool. All right. So that'll about do it for this episode of the movie lovers. Shanna, before we talk about the next episode, why don't you share with everyone where they can find you online?
1: You can find me at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography on Instagram.
0: Excellent. Speaking of Instagram and other social media, go to Instagram, the Gibson99 To find me there, I do post, most of the time, daily polls that you can vote on, on on best movies. Right now, I'm going through and seeing what you think are the best movies of the 2010s. Uh, Also on Facebook, the uh, Slash the Gibson Review, you'll find all links to everything that is the the Gibson Review and the Movie Lovers on there, as well as some occasional third-party links to some movie news. Go to thegibsonreview.com to find everything past and present of the Gibson Review. I actually just came across a review I wrote of The Expendables on there from nine years ago. That's an interesting read if you want to have a good time. Um, And also you'll find um, the best of the 2010 series at thegibsonreview.com. Go find this podcast and subscribe or review on Stitcher SoundCloud and all other S-based <laughs> podcatchers, what are they called, I forget. Um, but also Apple Podcasts too. you'll find us there. Please help us find more movie lovers that may be interested in our joyful discussions of film. And with that, the next episode, we are getting towards the end of the year The next episode will be up on Christmas Eve. It is our 2019 roundup where we will be knocking out as many movies we're trying to catch up with as possible. And just doing uh, short reviews of them. So look out for that on Christmas Eve. Also keep your eyes out for bonus episodes. Because I believe we'll probably have a separate bonus episode reviewing Rise of Skywalker the latest star wars film i'm sure that needs an episode of its own so we'll try and knock out a review a bonus review of that by christmas until then keep loving the movies this is jeff and shanna saying
1: bye bye